So I'm here this morning just to, uh, to wrap up uh, the, the theme of uh, big that we've been looking at over the past few weeks. And we've heard some great messages uh, on that. We've heard about the need to, to have big love for the people around us. And we've heard about uh, the goodness of our big God and about the big needs uh, that surround us. And just bringing all that together this morning, I want to uh, f- focus our minds on what we're going to do next week. Um, but not just that, to look beyond that as well. Um, so there's lots of ideas around there, isn't there, thinking about the big idea. Um, who's ever had a good idea here before? Okay, someone might have thought that, um, you know, Bubble Creek Canyon might have been a, a, a good idea, but it seems a little bit scary to me. Just to show you some other um, uh, ideas that, have, um, that people have thought up over the years. I'm not sure what's happened there, but uh, we'll look to this one. Any, uh, anyone like camping here? <laughs> Okay, so if you're a keen camper, then rather than having to go out and uh, um, pitch your tent, you can actually walk around wearing your tent uh, using this fantastic invention. And then when you get a little bit sleepy and need a rest, then you can just pitch it into the ground. This is a real invention. Let's have a look at the next one. Okay, um, we've got some of, the, some of the guys here who are into growing beards at the moment. Um, but for some of you who perhaps can't do that, then you could buy your own knitted beard. Um, and obviously it has the advantage of keeping you warm in the winter as well. So that's a brilliant invention, I think. Let's have a look at the next one. Um, I think a few people will like this one particularly. Um, if you like cats and you like cleaning, then why not combine those two passions and get your cat uh, to do the cleaning? Um, and let's just have a look at the last one. Um, for those of us who are really um, uh, big fans of the royal couple, um, and uh, th- again, this is a real invention. You can actually have this uh, photograph on your fridge in your home. So anybody up for that, then uh, see me afterwards, and I'll let you know uh, where you can get that from. Okay, <clears throat> so the big idea, it's not, I want to say this right up front, it's not just about a weekend. And obviously, uh, through this morning, I'm going to talk to you about some of the things um, about next weekend, but it's not just about one weekend. It's about a way of living. It's about an attitude. It's about a lifestyle. It's about a mindset. And, you know, when next weekend is a distant memory, um, then this is a a culture that we need to see uh, still reverberating through the church and out into the community. Um, You know, those of you who, um, who aren't signed up for next weekend, I don't want you to switch off at this point because, like I say, it has bigger implications than just what we're doing next weekend. But just to say that, if you haven't signed up, it isn't too late. You know, if you're not off doing something else next weekend, you're not um, trekking across the Sahara Desert or something like that, then please do um, come and see us. And if you're thinking that there's not something, there's nothing that you can do, there's, you haven't got anything to offer, there really, really is something that everyone can do. And uh, so I'd encourage you to just come and uh, see me or see the people at the Resource Hub and we'll fix you up with something. Um, We'll absolutely do that. And if nothing else, then please just, uh, you know, if if you can't, you know, you're not physically able or perhaps you just think you can't uh, volunteer for anything, then please just come and be in in the tent or come and be here and just talk to people and get amongst people. And above all, above anything else, please pray about it. Really pray about it like you've never prayed before and tell people about it as well. Uh, we've got loads of information over there. Give it out, share it out, and let people know what we're doing. Okay, so uh, moving on from practicalities, and let's really um, look at what I see as the heart behind what we're doing. I want to look at a passage uh, that really just speaks into this weekend and uh, the implications beyond that. Um, so this is 1 John uh, chapter 3, and, and beginning at verse 16. So not to be confused with John 3.16, this is 1 John 3, uh, and beginning at verse 16. If you've got your Bible, it'd be great if you want to follow me. I'll just give you some time to find it.
Okay, 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You know, through this weekend and beyond that, you know, I want to encourage us to be people who who show the love of Jesus Christ, not just through words and speech, but through action and in truth. So what is the big idea all about? There's a few things that jump out to me from this passage. And the first one, um, where it all begins, is all about the cross. It says in verse 16, uh, this is how we know uh, what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It's about the cross. And we can look at that verse and we can sort of skim over it to some extent. I know that perhaps I've done that at times. You know, who is this us that it's talking about? Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Because I know that we've all heard it and we've all even said it probably at times. Um, that, you know, we know that Jesus died for everyone. But when we read that and we, um, we read that word us, how do we actually picture it? Do we just picture just us, this gathering within this room? Do we picture just ourselves? Do we picture perhaps the Christians that we know when we talk about Jesus died for us? You know, because the reality is that Jesus didn't just lay down his life for us, but he laid down his life for us, looking right out, out of that window, out onto the streets, out into the town and into the nation and the world beyond that. And I know that in some ways that we get it, that, you know, we understand that, but I have to ask myself sometimes, do I really get it? That Jesus died for every single person who's walking around on this planet, every single person that will walk around on this planet, and every single person that's walked around on this planet before us. I have to ask myself, do I get it enough that when I come into contact with all the different people that I meet through the week, do I really look at each and every one of those people and, and see that, you know, that person, Jesus Christ, when he hung on that cross, in his heart and in his mind, that person was there. You know, he died for that person. Jesus died for all of us. And whatever differences there are between us, and, you know, we can look around, even look around this room and we see that there's differences between us, but go out uh, further beyond that. There's so many differences um, that, you know, can perhaps alienate us from other, other people, that, that cause divisions amongst us, that fragment our society. You know, and even now in the United Kingdom in 2011, um, then there are divisions that occur because of the colour of people's skin. There are divisions that occur because of the place that people were born and uh, the gender that people are. But even for, for reasons like, um, you know, the type of work that we do or the kind of money that we earn or the kind of car we drive or the shops we go to or the political party we support or the newspapers we read, all these kind of little things that one person can stand and see another person and say, that person's different to me, I'm having nothing to do with that person. And it happens and it can be so easy to put people into boxes and to separate and to create these divisions. And we can all be guilty of it to some extent. But, you know, one thing amongst all of that difference and amongst all those divisions is one thing that unites every single one of us. Because we are all equal in our utter dependence on the grace of God. And the difference between us and, you know, people who may be out uh, walking around in this town, in this community this morning, 
The difference is that we have found it and we know it. And we've made that life-changing decision to follow Jesus Christ. But there are people out there who haven't. There are people out there who don't know what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. And the Bible says that they're walking in darkness. And you know, that's where we come in. Because we are um, called to be the light of the world. It's in the Bible that we are the light of the world. Because we have Jesus living in us. And there is a, there's a responsibility placed upon us to take that light and shine it into the darkness. So secondly, what's the big idea all about? You know, we've said it's about the cross, and that has to stand at the centre of everything that we do, and it all comes back to what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, But secondly, if we look at verse 16, it's about a call, about the call. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. But then it goes on to say, and this is where the challenge comes to us now, because it goes on to say, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's a pretty big ask, isn't it? But you know, this is a requirement. It's a a non-negotiable. Because it says that if we say that we, we have the love of God, then we need to do that. We need to be prepared to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, my understanding of this is that, you know, in some circumstances, in some situations, then there are and have been people who actually have had to physically lay down their life to come to the rescue and the help of others who are in need. Now, thankfully, for most of us in the situations that we live in, this will most likely or hopefully um, not be a literal laying down of our lives. But what I think this is saying to us is that to respond to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, we need to be prepared to have that mindset that our life is not our own. It's not about our agenda. It's not about us going off and doing our own thing and living our own lives. But we need to be open and obedient to the call of God. You know, we can't claim to be living in the love of God if we don't show love to our brothers and sisters. Uh, There's a quote that I just wanted to share with you from someone called Howard Dayton. In some mysterious way that we cannot fully comprehend, Jesus personally identifies with the poor. Do you want to minister to Christ? You do so when you give to the poor. If that truth is staggering, then the reciprocal is terrifying. When we do not give to the poor, we leave Christ himself hungry and thirsty. Some challenging words in that. But this call is upon each and every one of us. And it can be easy, you know, because I've done it myself, it can be easy to think that we need to wait until we've got everything sorted out in our own lives before we go out and help anyone else. Has anybody ever felt like that before? That we need to try and somehow get ourselves perfect, and we can perhaps think we've got too many issues, too many things that are wrong with us, so we can't possibly be any use to God and any use to anybody else. But I really want to encourage you that that isn't the way to look at it. Because if we waste, uh, if we, we wait, or perhaps waste was the right word, but if we wait um, you know, for God to make us perfect before we go out and do anything, we're going to be waiting a really, really long time. Anybody here is perfect? No. You know, and some people in the room are perhaps closer than others, but uh, there's nobody here that's, that's quite made it yet. Because we're never going to have everything all together. So let's not wait until we've got it all together. And if we get to the point where we think we've got everything together, then that's when we've really got problems. 
You only have to look at the disciples that Jesus chose to know that you don't have to have everything all perfectly in place before you go out and, and impact the world. Looking back even further back than that, you know, Moses, um, when God called him, his, his immediate response was, who am I that I could go and free the Israelites from slavery? Who am I? You know, and sometimes we can have that response. If God calls us, if we're asked to do something, who am I to do this? I'm not worthy to do this. I couldn't possibly do this. You know, Moses thought that, and then look at what he was able to do by the grace of God and by God working through him. You know, fortunately, he broke out of that frame of mind, and God was able to use him for great things. But let's not look at ourselves and just immediately say, who am I to, you know, who am I that I should step out and make a difference? Because with God, we can all do it. And I want to encourage you that this call is for each and every one of us. But the question is, how are we going to respond to it? You know, because there's an incredible power um, in what's being planned for next weekend. I believe that. And I'm excited for what's going to take place. Anyone else excited? Yeah. Yeah. As we come together with that mindset that we're going to do what God has called us to do, that we're prepared to follow his call and to take the message out to people around us, uh, you know, then amazing things will happen. But we need to follow that call in readiness and obedience. Um, I was just thinking about this. um, And... Anyone here like vacuum cleaning, like doing the hoovering? No one, right, okay. Uh, No, I don't like it either. And I've just got something here just to demonstrate. Um, See, for a a long time, we used to have to do the hoovering uh, with something a little bit like this, and we used to have to drag it out of the cupboard, and it was always right at the back of the cupboard under the stairs, and there was always loads of things piled in front of it. And so if you wanted to go and hoover anything up, then you'd have to move everything else out of the way and pull this thing out. And then you'd have to get these attachments and the cords and everything like that and drag it out and connect it all up and wipe the dust off it because it's probably been a while since we used it last time. And, you know, then you've got to actually physically go around and hoover and drag it around the house with you. And it's not fun, is it? No. no. Okay. Um, so I want to introduce you to somebody. And this is a, a friend of mine who's revolutionized my life. Uh, this is Roomba. I'm not selling these, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> um, so instead of having to do all that, this is what we have to do. Okay, and I'll let him just get on with it for a little bit. And this is how we do our vacuuming now, a little bit like this. <laughs> he just does it all for us. Okay. Um, I'll switch him off because it's going to be a distraction. Um, but I just want to encourage you. There's two ways that we can respond to the call of God. We can respond like this thing, where we have to be dragged out, dragged out of the cupboard. We have to be dusted off. We have to have everything connected up. We have to um, you know, untangle the cables before we actually get out and do anything. And then, even then, we've got to be dragged and forced around. Or God can come, place the call on us, press the button, and off we go. Which one would we rather be like? And I'll leave that with you. I'm going to turn it off again. If you do want to know where to get these from, again, come and see me. (laughs) I do get a little bit of commission, so it's... I know which one I want to be. So I just want to encourage you, when the call of God comes, let's just go and get on with it. Let's not wait to have to be dragged out. So that leads me on to the third thing, as well as being about the cross and being about the call. It's also about the cost. In verse 17, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need 
but has no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? When we live in the light of the cross and the call of God on our lives, then inevitably there's going to be a cost that comes. And next weekend there's going to be a cost for us because we're giving up our time and our energy and our resources and some of us might have otherwise been going off and doing other things. Some of us have perhaps had to move things around so that we can be available. But when we're taking those couple of days out of our normal routine to serve other people, then you know, there's an element of inconvenience. And anyone here, does anyone like inconvenience? Nobody likes inconvenience. But, and we live in a world where convenience dictates so many of the decisions that we make. Like, you know, shall we cook tonight or shall we just get a takeaway? You know, those kind of things that we need to uh, decide. And I went to the petrol station the other day, and I don't know whether anyone else has encountered this. Uh, but I went in and discovered that the petrol station has basically turned into a Costa coffee. Okay? <laughs> so <clears throat> it's basically now a Costa coffee that just so happens to have a little till where you can pay for your petrol. And um, while I was in there, in the th- about 30 seconds, I was just bombarded with this uh, whole load of questions of did I want this and did I want that? So, you know, I was paying for the petrol and I got, you know, do you want to buy any chocolate? It's on three for two. No, thank you. You know, would you like. Um, you know, would, can I interest you in uh, one of our offers, our product offers, like a set of socket spanners that are normally 19.99 and they're 3.99, or those blankets that you put your arms in and wrap them around you and put a pocket for the remote control and all that sort of stuff. You know, and then it was, would you like anything from Costa? <coughs> no, thank you. I'm on my way to work. I just want to pay for my petrol and go. You know, were you aware that we have DVDs and Blu-rays on sale in the store now? No, wasn't aware. Not particularly interested right now. <laughs> You know, would you like to discuss your mortgage options? <laughs> you know, and I had to remember Phil's teaching on thankfulness. You know, I appreciate the offer, but no thank you. <laughs> it all goes to illustrate that everything is just being geared around, you know, trying to make things so convenient for us. Everything's just there on offer. And actually it became quite an inconvenience to me at that time because I just wanted to get in, pay for my petrol and get out. And the other day, I was loading up the dishwasher, again, talking about convenience, and um, I had to take the tablet out of the, uh, the packet and put it in. Sounds difficult, doesn't it? But I was, uh, not long ago, then, we'd actually bought some of these, these new kind of ones where you put the tablet in the dishwasher and the wrapper around it actually dissolves when you put it in, so you don't actually have to take it out. But we'd run out of those ones, so now we're back to the ones where you have to go through the, you know, the real chore of taking it out and putting it in the dishwasher. And I actually found myself complaining, grumbling to myself that I'd had to do this. I'd had to unwrap the tablet and put it in the dishwasher. And then I had to think, this is ridiculous. You know, there are people in the world who have to walk for miles and miles, for hours on end, just to get clean water. And I'm complaining to myself about having to unwrap a dishwasher tablet. You know, we're called to stand against the tide of convenience, of just wanting everything um, to be, you know, just there and and easy for us before we do anything. And there's lots of things that we need to stand against. We need to stand against the tide of shrinking back, of cutting back. And in the current climate, you know, there's a lot of people, in some ways it might be the natural attitude to say, you know, we want to hold on more tightly to what we've got. We want to become more um, self-preserving, more self-centered. But let's stand against that. Let's be different. And again, this isn't just about next weekend, although that's a part of it, but it goes on beyond that. And we're called, when we serve the kingdom of God, um, to stand against that tide of convenience. Because serving the kingdom of God and giving up time to serve the church is not always convenient, 
but it's always worth it. And it's like anything that's worth building. You know, it takes effort. It's like building a good marriage. It takes work and it takes effort, but a good marriage is a real blessing. And it's the same with church. That there's a cost to what we do, but it's worth paying. Because there are actually people out there right now who can't say those words from that passage we've read. They can't say, this is how we know what love is. Because they haven't heard it and they haven't seen it. But we have. And so we need to take that to them. Because it's not that Jesus Christ didn't die for them. It's just that they don't know about it yet. And you know, when it comes to serving and when it comes to, you know, this kind of thing of inconvenience, of, of, of paying a cost, sometimes there's a temptation there to just give a little bit, to give what we're comfortable with. And there's a story in the Old Testament where uh, King David wants to make a, a sacrifice before God. And uh, he... He goes to this guy and says, I want to buy your field because I want to build an altar in your field to make a sacrifice to God. And the guy says to him, that's fine, take the field, it's yours, you don't have to pay for it. And I'm going to throw in the animals as well for you to slaughter and sacrifice. And David responds to this guy. He says, no, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. Let's not try and pass off as a sacrifice something which costs us nothing. And let's not wait for the challenge or the call to become convenient and easy for us before we actually respond to it and take it up. And it may be that we're thinking, and this isn't a condemnation because we can all do this, and I know that I can think like this at times. But I want to strive to be better in this and I want to encourage you um, to go on this journey to see the bigger picture. Because there may have been times when you've thought, you know, can I really fit coming here on Tuesday nights into my busy schedule? You know, can I give a spare half an hour to pray on a Friday? Can I, can I put more money in the offering this month? You know, and if we wait until it's convenient for us, and we can comfortably fit it into our plan for our lives. We're not really sacrificing anything. But instead, let's set our hearts on some non-negotiables. That we will give time to pray. That we will give generously. That we will commit to a Tuesday night or whatever night it is. Whatever, whatever the, the cause is. You know, and while there may be some sacrifice, we fit in the other things around it. Now, we're not asking people to be silly and make stupid decisions. We're not saying for anyone to phone their boss and tell them they're not coming to work because they're equippers. You know, we're not asking people to live, leave the kids on their own at home. We un, you know, it's, it's understandable that there are other commitments, but what it's about is not, you know, giving in to this, this attitude of convenience and just saying, I'm going to wait until the challenge becomes easy before we do anything. Jesus paid the ultimate cost. He gave up his life for us. And remember, it's there in the passage that we are called to lay down our lives. There's a death that needs to take place in us. We need to die to ourselves and to our own agenda. And it's a challenge to us. You know, what are we prepared to pay? And I just want to quickly read something from uh, Isaiah, um, Isaiah 58, where um, God is talking about the kind of offering, the kind of fast, the kind of cost that he requires. And this is, the, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And he says, Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? 
to loose the chains of injustice? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? Then it goes on to say, and this is a great turn of phrase, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. And then it goes on to say um, that the Lord will guide you always. You will be like a well-watered garden. Thinking about the big idea there. Um, Like a spring whose waters never fail. And again, this just leapt out. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. There's two things that come from this. Firstly, the amazing thing is, you know, because I don't want us to get all, um, you know, sort of negative and, and worked up about the cost, because there is a cost. But as we pay that cost, then amazing things happen because God blesses us. God pours into us as we give out. So that's the amazing thing, that as we think that we're giving something, God's actually giving to us and blesses us and pours his life into us. So although there's a death that takes place in us, God fills us with his life. It says that we'll be like a spring whose waters never fail. That sounds good, doesn't it? But secondly, what leaps out on me is that there is a spiritual power behind what we're doing. And when I read these verses, it excites me and it stirs me up because it talks about if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, that's what we're doing. That's what's going to take place through the Big Idea Weekend. And again, and beyond that, in all the things that you know, God has in store for us beyond that weekend. As we get out of our comfort zone and spend ourselves on others, it says, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings. Because there's a real weight and a holy dignity upon what we're doing. So although some of the jobs might seem a little bit ordinary and everyday and mundane, you know, things like picking up litter and sweeping up and, you know, all those kind of things might not seem like the grandest jobs, but there's actually more to it than that. You know, if you're on the decorating team and you're painting a wall, um, then it says here, you're not just a painter, you are a repairer of broken walls. You know, it reminds me of that thing that we had a couple of years ago, not just a, not just a, a painter, I'm an arena church painter. You know, there's that <laughs> advert that we ran. But, you know, there's something more than just painting a wall. There's a, there's a call of God on it. Um, we are a repairer of broken walls. When we're out there picking up litter in the street, we're not just a litter picker. It says here that we are a restorer of streets. And there's some streets that need restoring out there, and there's some walls that need to be repaired. Because God doesn't just use grand gestures, but he works through the ordinary, uh, everyday things. Jesus crouched down before his disciples and washed their feet. Finally, it's about the community. In verse 18, it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And this is what we want to do, to get out into the community and deliver the message with action and in truth. We don't want it to be like Bubble Creek Canyon, do we? We don't want to just retreat into this safe community. We want to get out into the community that God has placed us in and take action and share and bring the hope of Jesus into it. You know, we need to love, and we were reminded of that in Julie's great message a few weeks ago. We need to have big love. And I love this town. Now, I was born here in Ilkeston, and I've lived in and around Ilkeston for most of my life. 
and I'm allowed to say this because I was born and bred in Ilkeston, but there's a saying that goes, Ilson born, Ilson bred. Does anyone know it? Thick in the arm, thick in the head. Now, <laughs> I'm allowed to say that. Um, I'd like to think I'm reasonably intelligent, but I'm not as thick in the arm as I might like to be. But, you know, <laughs> it just kind of sums up a little bit some people's attitude towards this town. There's a lot of people who don't have a great amount of good things to say about Ilkeston. I just want us to have a look at a picture. Because this, to me, just sums up, you know, as I walk through Ilkeston, it sums up some of the sadness and the emptiness and the decline that I guess there is in many areas in this town. And at times it looks like nobody really loves this, this town. But God loves this town. God is passionate about this town. Jesus died for each and every person who lives here in this town and every other town around us. You know, not everybody that comes that we come into contact with through the Big Idea events is going to be in absolute desperate need. There will be people who are. But it's not just aimed at that. It's about showing that there's a passion and a pride uh, for our community from amongst us. Because God is passionate about this community and our town. So we need to go against that kind of that tide of decline and, uh, you know, this thing of of speaking negatively about the town, of perhaps looking at it and thinking that the best days are behind it. We don't want to see it like that because that's not how God sees it. God loves this town. He loves Ilkeston. He loves the people of Ilkeston. Going back to the beginning, he sent his son to die for the people in Ilkeston. And yet I see a lot of people walking around this town with their heads down, people who are angry, people who are disappointed, people who are hurting, people who have been neglected, people who feel abandoned and feel lost. There's a lot of ruins that we need to rebuild and restore. And many people may have written this town off, but God hasn't. And, you know, we can look at all the needs and it can perhaps be overwhelming because we think we can't possibly. It goes back to that thing again. Who am I to do this? We couldn't possibly meet all those needs. But we can do something. And what we're doing next weekend is we're making a start. And we're putting a stake in the ground of saying this is something that we want to see continue from this point on. That we are going to get out into that community and we're going to show the love of Jesus Christ. You know, and I just pray that as, you know, we come into contact with people next weekend. People that come to the kids programs that we do. And that, that families will be impacted through that. That as we go into people's homes and paint and, and clear their gardens people will just be overwhelmed and amazed and blessed at what we're doing. That we'll just show the love of God to them. And I pray, and I want to encourage you to pray that as people come to uh, that service, that people will be drawn to that service that we do on the Sunday afternoon. That people will come and hear the sound of the gospel and be changed. We want to see lives impacted and lives changed next weekend. And I pray that conversations will take place. You know, Holy Spirit filled, God anointed, conversations will take place um, you know as people just go out and get on with with what they're doing and that people will just be drawn to us and see something different in us because the church is called to be in the community not hidden behind these walls and it would have been a very different gospel if Jesus had you know just got himself into a building somewhere and invited everybody to come to him that's not what he did he got out amongst the people and he worked amongst them and the new testament is full of stories you know all the miracles and the amazing signs and wonders that take place they don't take place mainly in a in a building they take place out there amongst the people in the community in the marketplace and i don't want to you know speak badly of our building we love our building we're so grateful to god for this amazing building but we're not just about this building and we need to get out of it 
and reach the people out there. And as we break out of these walls, you know, people next weekend, I hope and I pray, are going to see, first of all, that the church exists. Because there are people out there who don't know that there are people here whose lives have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And secondly, that the church is active and doing something in the community. And who knows who we may be reaching by what we do next week. You know, I believe that there's a destiny over people's lives out there that hasn't been tapped into yet. And I pray that in what we do next weekend that we begin to just chip away at some of that. You know, who knows who we're going to get coming to some of the things that we're doing. You know, perhaps some of the kids who come to the kids' programs that we're doing. Um, You know, amongst them, there may be our next worship leader. There may be our next kids' worker. There may be our next preacher. And, you know, they might be far away now, but we all were at one time, weren't we? It says in Ephesians 2, verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And, you know, church, this, this to me is the big idea. That our lives have been saved through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And now we need to use our lives to bless and serve others. It's not all about us. It's about us ordinary people that we are being chosen by God to go out there and bring hope to the world around us I want us just to bow our heads and we're going to pray